Mana 3 Media. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, and I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? A few weeks ago, I was asked to teach a systematic theology class for my local church on Wednesday nights. It's been fun. It's been interesting to me how well received that has been. And I uh, thought that it might be helpful to take those lectures and break them into smaller chunks and use them as a part of the What Difference Does That Make podcast. Um, And so that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We'll take systematic theology and break it into small 20, 25 minute segments. And and hopefully it's helpful for you. Now, two caveats. One, I am not a scholar by any means, uh, but I do think I have the ability to take deep and profound things and profess them in ways that are understandable, uh, accessible, and perhaps entertaining. And so hopefully that's the case for you. The second caveat is these are live recordings. There are some uh, pauses. There are some moments where I've asked people to respond and you might not be able to hear that well. They're live recordings. And my great friend and producer, David Wilkinson, has tried to clean these up as best as possible. But just understand that that's what they are. So for now, here we go. The first of a series of uh, presentations on systematic theology. And this one deals with the Bible. There are lots of different kinds of ways to talk about God. Uh, liberation theology, uh, uh, feminist theology. These are, these are important approaches. Sometimes they take us off far afield, but it's important for us to hear from these kind of other voices, what, what they think about God, how we talk about God. But they're kind of the four basic would be biblical theology, uh, at the, a different way of doing this would be biblical theology. And biblical theology is to follow, follow God through the trajectory of Scripture. How is God revealed to us in Scripture? And follow that, that path. The God of Exodus and Leviticus is, is no different, but, but looks different from the God of uh, the baby in a manger. And so to follow our understanding of God through Scripture, that, that's biblical theology. We just simply, we take God as the Bible presents Him and, and walk through that. Um, biblical studies would be kind of a part of that. Hermeneutics, just under, digging into Scripture, understanding that. Uh, historical theology. Historical theology, these are the, kind of the four classic, four of the five classic ways to do theology. Historical theology tracks the development of God through the stages of human history. So it's kind of the same thing as biblical theology, except now the map that we follow is not Scripture as much as it is human development. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
That is a historical theological statement that we understand God based on how he was to that group of people and then to this group of people and then to this group of people. So we, we track the development of God through, through history, particularly biblical history, but history in general. When we get outside of biblical history, we would look at process theology. And process theology is kind of the new thing. And by new, I mean, anything in the church that's new is like 50 years old. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, getting old is a terrible thing. And, you know, who, who is the Switzerland guy? The, the, I can't think of it. Anyway. But he says, I, about 3 o'clock in the morning, it'll come to me. I'll wake door up. Say, oh, this is who it is. But he said that, that, um, that ideas uh, and philosophies come to us through the arts, then through academia, then through uh, the government, and finally through the church. So, so we're, when we start fighting a battle, the church, we stand up, man, we're against this. It's, we lost that war 75 years ago. You know, we're, we're so far behind. And part of what good theology helps us do is to stay out in front. But process theology is this relatively new, discovering the nature of God, particularly in, in post-biblical times. You, does anybody know, here's a quiz. We've been friends now for six or seven years so here's some things about me that you should know uh, my favorite heretic Richard Rohr Richard Rohr my favorite heretic he is a great writer he's just a super writer he's a um, Franciscan priest uh, and I and and he is a heretic <laughs> I started I started to apologize but no he is a heretic but he's still a great writer but he would fall into the line of process theology that God the 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 challenge with process theology is when does the process stop? So God continues to change and evolve and develop, and, and it just gets scary to me that, that you know, uh, the emergent church, I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody, but the emergent church is very much in this line of, and that's just kind of a whole way of doing church, but in this line of process theology. And then natural theology seeks... The, sees the broad picture of God in all of creation, uh, both in the Scripture and out of Scripture, natural theology. And another th word for that might be apologetics. How do, we, how do we defend our faith without using the Bible? You know, can, I mean, and we do this all the time. Man, did you see the sunrise this morning? Was that not, a, does that not talk to you about the handiwork of God, that is natural theology. And it's, and it's a very real and, and important way of, of doing theology. All of those, and, and so which one is right? Which one is best? I mean, they all are important, and they all give us kind of different ways of, of looking at things. When we're just starting to take seriously this look of theology, systematic theology seems to me to be one of the one of the best approaches. Systematic theology is an attempt to formulate an orderly, rational, coherent account of doctrine and dogma. It is a, it's, it's just a way, a kind of a way to say, okay, if we believe this, then 
what does that say about this? And then what does that say about this? And so systematic theology is almost a bunch of blocks built on top of each other. And it's, it's, a, it's an orderly, coherent way of talking about, about God. And again, I, I just want to keep coming back to this. That theology is no more or no less than, than the conversations that we have about God. And uh, I started writing this. Dor said, you started writing it really big and then you got really small. This is a quote that I used a few weeks ago when uh, Pastor Bryce asked me to preach. If you, this is from C.S. Lewis. If you don't study theology, that won't mean you have no ideas about God. It will mean you have a lot of wrong ones. <laughs> so it's just, this is just a way for us to, to talk about God in a good way, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a right way. So, 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for your hope. Always be prepared. That's the New Living Translation. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, one, one translation says. So that's what, that, this is, again, no more or no less than, than learning how to talk about God and tell people what we think about God in a, in a good, logical, coherent way that speaks to them uh, and makes sense to them. Uh, and that's pretty important, I think, and becoming more and more important all the time. There was a time, it seems to me, there was a time where we said, well, you know, that's what the Bible says. And people say, oh, okay, if that's what the Bible says. That's not the case anymore. And we have to learn to defend our, our faith. So, however, having said that, we are going to begin talking about what the Bible says. By the way, in case you think you get a, a pass in all of this, uh, it's not just talking about it. It's living it out. The very best kind of theology is the kind that's done on foot, that you, that you live out, that people watch. Uh, I, I saw God in you today when I do this. Uh, this is from a, a devotional book I have used for 40 years. Uh, this is Albert, Albert Edward Day. If you, set, if you who set yourselves to explain the theory of Christianity had set yourselves instead to do the will of the Master, the one object for which the gospel was preached to you, how different would now be the condition of that portion of the world with which you come into contact. Wow. Wow. If those of us who take it on ourselves to stand up and talk about God would spend as much time living it out as we do talking about it, the world that we connect with would be so, so different. And that's an indictment on me, too. So let's talk about the Bible. What is your favorite Bible translation? Now, before you jump on that, the second part of that question is, and why? King James. King James. Okay, and why? And Why? <laughs> I, I say all the time, I read the NIV, but I quote the King James. It just comes out King James. So NIV, yeah. Why is that, why is that your, it is easy. It is, it is easy to understand. Good. NIV is the New International Version. Sometimes we say those letters and we don't even know. New International Version. 
Um, the New King James Version seems to be to be a lot like the Holman Bible. It's kind of that blend between old and new, and, 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 and I, I, I like that. I enjoy that. Well, for just real quick, this, wasn't, this isn't part of it, but I, let's talk a little bit about, I want you to talk about the difference between a translation and a version and a paraphrase. What do you, what do you, what do you say about that? Some are, some are translations, some are paraphrases. What about that? Okay, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, I think if uh, uh, somebody said, maybe I said, I was talking about this this week, I said, the very, here's the very best translation. Let me just give you right now, if you can write this down, the very best translation of the Bible is the one you'll read. That's the best one. So get that one and read that one. But some, some of them are paraphrases. They simply took a good English version of the Bible, RSV, a lot of them go back to the Revised Standard Version, and then paraphrase it, write it in there in kind of a more modern language. The Message, the Passion, Living Bible, the New Living Bible, it is, is, the New Living Translation is more of a translation, but that a translation goes back to as much as possible to the original language and tries to reinterpret some of those some of those words that the King James read as thee and thou and we read in in different ways so again I think Pastor Gary said it well it depends on what you're trying to do if I want to sit down and really study maybe even introduce a, a new believer to some some of the tenets of the faith I probably want a good translation if I'm just trying to get somebody to read the Bible I give them a good a good paraphrase and say man read that you'll like this this is good so then let's go to we're going to start to talk about what we believe about the bible and let's go to one of the 16 fundamental truths uh the the assemblies of god church establishes what they believe in part in this statement these are kind of the core doctrinal statements this is this is what makes us different from anybody else and in some cases this is what draws us all together this is number three of the 16 fundamental uh, truths and it is about scripture uh, by the way almost all systematic theology begins with the bible that's just kind of the place to start if we're going to talk about god then let's first talk about where we heard about God for the first time and, and what we believe about that. So almost, almost any book that you pick up on, for example, I was looking today, uh, Gustav Alain, page 10 of this. Here's the two books. Uh, page 10 of Gustav Alain, the first, first nine pages are introduction. Page 10, he starts talking about the Bible. That's systematic theology. This is biblical theology, God, man, and salvation. Page 528 is the first time they actually talk about the Bible. So it's, it's, that's not the purpose. The purpose is not to talk about the Bible. It's to, it's to use the Bible. So, oh, I knew, that was, I knew there was some important reason for not all that. Uh, the 16 fundamental truths. There, there are two or three places where I encourage you to really take the time to write some things down. One of them is that definition of systematic theology. I, I kind of went a little bit fast and 
if I if you didn't get that, then let me know. I think that's important. And I think this is really important. What do we believe about the Bible? The scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man, the infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Okay? Verbally inspired by God. These kinds of things, whoever does it, I don't care if it's the Presbyterians or the, or the Roman Catholic Church or the Assemblies of God, these kinds of statements are hammered out in back smoke-filled rooms. <laughs> no, that's, poli- that's political stuff. But in back rooms, and every word is important. I mean, there's not a the or an and in that phrase that's not important. So verbally inspired is an important phrase. That's what we believe about the Word of God. Now, we need to, we need to, we need to kind of figure that out. We need, to, we need to unpack that a little bit. But at, at the core, that is what we believe. And I want you to know that is what I believe. That's not, that's not me saying, well, this is, I read this in the 16th Fundamental. This is what I bring to the table, that this is what I believe about, about the Word of God. There are three, at least three passages of Scripture that are really helpful. Uh, would somebody read Second Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17? And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Wow. Drop the mic. Just boom. I mean, that's, that's it. All Scripture is God-breathed. Would somebody have that in a, in a different translation? I'm uh, reading yes. from the NIV. Okay. And it's all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Good. So it comes from God. He, he breathes it out. I, I, I love that phrase, though. He breathes it out on us and says, hey, do this, write this, believe this. And it's useful for about anything you can imagine. It just, it's, it's everything you need is right there. Good. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Wow. One of the interesting phrases there, when you received. It's not, I didn't, you didn't just hear this, you know. It's not something you just read. But, but God gave you something when he gave you the word of God. Good. Anybody else have a different translation? Really? Robert? <laughs> Let's try. Have one on this side and one on this side. Just one. This is the new living. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And the word continues to work in you who believe. Good. Yeah. By the way, this is an interesting verse because Paul is actually talking about his preaching. This is Pastor Bryce getting up and saying, you know what I said last week? 
That's the Word of God. Do it. Do it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, one more. Second Peter one twenty one. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's the New King James Version. Good. Good. What translation do you have? Amplified. Okay. Uh, for no prophecy was ever made by the act of a human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Good. Yeah. It, this, it's important for you to know that this stuff came not by what men were thinking, but by God. By the way, next year, Pastor Bryce is going to read the Amplified Bible in a month. That, that's like running a marathon with a backpack on. Yeah, the Amplified Bible. That's good. All right, so what we believe, we're just kind of unpacking a little bit, but, but here's what we believe. This is, the, this is the end of it all. We believe that the Scripture, Old and New Testament, it comes straight from God. It, 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 is, it is verbally inspired. Men were verbally inspired from God. It's revelation. It's God revealing Himself, showing us what He is like, and it is infallible and it is authoritative. There's some big words. Bless you. There's some big words. So let's look at the th those three words really quick. Inspired. What does it mean for it to be inspired? Uh, when, when, uh, so here's just a, a quote I took right out of God.org. You know, if, if you, if you want to know anything about anything, just, just Google it. God.org. Uh, when people speak of the Bible as inspired, they're referring to the fact that God divinely influenced the human authors of Scripture in such a way that they wrote well, what they wrote was the very Word of God. In the context of Scriptures, the word inspiration simply means God breathed. Inspiration means the Bible truly is the Word of God and makes the Bible unique among all other books. This comes from God. Now, what we have in mind when we say that is that when God spoke to Amos in 400 B.C. And, or, or 800 B.C. and said, I want you to write this, that was inspired by God. Now, that's been translated about 100 times over 2,500 years. So I'm not saying when I pick up the Message Bible that Eugene Peterson got absolutely every word right and this is what we're supposed to do. By the way, I'm also not saying that when King James did it in 1711. So, I, you know, so it's, but, but that if we could, if somehow, which we can't, but if we could go back to that very first original manuscript, we believe that God said, write this, and they wrote that. Now, we have to, we have to work with the text and, and how that's been changed and how those words mean something different, but we believe it's inspired. Infallible. Infallible uh, means incapable of error. If something is infallible, it is never wrong and thus absolutely trustworthy. Similarly, the word inerrant, it's another word that you hear often about Scripture. Inerrant, also applied to Scripture, means free from error. Simply put, the Bible never fails. The, the, the Bible never fails. You know, I've, I've, here's one, real quick. I, I'll, I'll tell this one real fast. Uh, I say this all the time, and, and, and this is our story. You know, Dorsai, those of you who know us, we went through a hard, hard, hard time 20 years ago. I mean, a, an awful time, an awful time. Our marriage 
was over. Our, our, my career was done. My, we, we lost everything. lost everything. And if you had handed me the Bible back then and I had read, in everything, give thanks. I would have said, that is the dumbest thing I have ever read in my life. There's no, you got to be kidding. And 20 years later, I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, I know that. I, I know that one. It is infallible. It, God's, it doesn't always feel like it right in the moment, but God's word is infallible. It's without error. It's, it, he's going to do what he says he's going to do, and if we will follow that, we'll turn out the way he says we're going to turn out. Okay? And then authoritative, which is a hard word in this day and age. No offense to you young people, but this is a hard, hard word. Authoritative, the statement of the Bible is our only rule for faith and practice, appears in many doctrinal statements. Sometimes it takes a similar form, uh, stating that the Bible is the final authority or the only infallible rule or the only certain rule. The sentiment, whatever the wording, is a way of the Bible-believing Christians to declare their commitment to the Word of God and their independence from other would-be authorities. So we believe that the Bible is the final Word of God. You know, the what was that... Uh, uh, you, who wants to be a millionaire? And they would say, is, is this your final answer? And so somebody somewhere along the way said to God, is this your final answer? And he said, I am the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. Yes, that's my final answer. The Bible. So we believe that it is authoritative. That there, there, there is. Now, for somebody who doesn't rec- uh, recognize that, it doesn't do us any good to beat them over the head with it and say, well, the Bible says you got to do this. That's why you got to find other ways to say this. But those of us who accept Christ as our Savior and are Christ's followers, at some point have got to wrestle with this and come to the point where we say the, the, the Bible is the Word of God. As a, as a Christian counselor, one of the great challenges for me and, and working with our staff, we have 30 therapists now, and about once every three months, I will sit with them and say, look, we are Christian therapists, and here's what that means. When the Bible says this, then we can't, well, you know what, you, you, you don't love your wife anymore. <sighs> Be happy. God. I talked to a, a guy today, and I was saying, I, you know, here's what you need to do. You, it, so he said, what you're saying is I just need to be happy. I said, no, I have never used the word happy in my life. No, I want you to do stuff that's going to make you really unhappy, like getting honest and being faithful. and being, No, be that. So the Bible says, I'm sorry, got carried away. All right. Uh, so those are important words, infallible, uh, inspired, inerrant, authoritative. Those are, those are not casual words when we talk about what we believe about the Bible. And across the board, the Christian church would echo that. What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media on Instagram. 
at Mana3Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. 